Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Today we're sharing the sounds of our encounters with the 14th iteration of the international art exhibition known as Documenta. This is a tale of two cities. That's because in 2017, the highly respected exhibition that originated in the year 1955 in Castle, Germany, extends its reach to Athens, Greece. Athens opened first, and Castle a month later. Artistic director Adam Shimchik and his curatorial team invited more than 200 artists to present projects in both locations. Because I'm interested in how the exhibition communicates with the world outside the art scene, I decide to explore the work of these artists. Emeka Ogbo, Rashid Arain, Yoar Nango, Rick Lowe, William Pope L., and Audubon Nkanga. Let's set the tone with a quatrain from Ali Morali's Fugue Art Project. The Syrian-born violinist performed this piece during opening ceremonies. Now based in Germany, Morali fled from the war in Syria in 2013 with only his suitcase and his violin. begins in Athens. Politics and geography have a lot to do with the fragile economic and social conditions in Greece. Athens has become a beacon, a waypoint for refugees en route to Europe, fleeing from Syria, Afghanistan, and other unstable environments. Arriving a month after the press preview, I navigate the city on my own. It's like a treasure hunt to find the venues using Documenta's map. Many artists have already moved on to Castle to prepare for the second opening. I meet the Athenians left behind to animate the exhibition. They're guiding visitors, organizing community projects, and sparking public programs. But first, some ambient Athens. A white reggae band? Yes, playing next to the ancient Agora, or marketplace, near Montesteraki Square. A bit of pop radio I heard during an Uber ride. Lousy. 
an accordion player haunting outdoor cafes beneath the Acropolis. In Athens, Documented 14 occupies venues across the city. My first stop and my favorite, the Conservatoire, the oldest music school in modern Greece. A friendly team watches over all the venues in Athens. In fact, Documenta's organizers gave them a special title. They're called invigilators. Here's how one explains his role and introduces the Synthi 100, centerpiece of an interactive installation by the Contemporary Music Research Center. CMRC was founded in 1979 in Athens to develop electroacoustic music and sound practices in Greece. What are all the roles that an invigilator could play well, in documenting? We make sure that people don't touch the artwork. We give direction as to where each artwork may be. So, if, for example, if you ask me where Noel Ketley's installation is, I would show you there at that point. Or where's the toilet, where are the cloakrooms and stuff. So we're actually not obliged to know about the artwork, but it's, um, or obliged to explain to people what it is. But we still do it because it's, it's better that way. Otherwise, we just stand and uh, be annoying. It's yeah. more interesting. Yeah, it's more interesting right? for us. We don't get paid to do it, but we do it anyway. So what did you just demonstrate for me? Uh, the Synthi 100, how it works with the microphone down there. And uh, yeah. You provoked a reaction I that I just reaction. recorded. I made sounds and uh, the synthesizer change those sounds, like translate those sounds into music or uh, noise or I don't know what you would call it, but music, I guess, yeah. Weird sounds from the And what is the name of my personal invigilator? I'm Emil, <laughs> and this is, uh, I'm taking care of the Synthi 100. And that is the project of? Of the CMRC, the Contemporary Music Research Center. And uh, it was built in around 1971. And, but still it, uh, it broke, it malfunctioned and then 20 or 30 years later they fixed it, they were finally able to fix it and yeah, here it is and they played the concert as well but uh, I think in the beginning of, of April in the concert hall and now it's here and it's demonstrating the use of it, the different use of it, not being played but being uh, uh, interacting with uh, the noises of the place it is like here, now the sounds it produces now, I believe it's because of we are speaking and people move down there. It takes up a it's lot of capturing uh, the energy. It's capturing of the space. energy and uh, movement, movement, and I believe it works by um, by wind, maybe because if you blow I on it, I saw you. Yeah, it does like this, and it works most of the time. But they change the setting, so each time it's different. Like um, two days mm -hmm. ago, you could it reacted more. Uh, like violently to wind. I could just do very slowly blow into it and it would make like a lot of sounds. And then if I spoke, it wouldn't react that much. So it changes, it changes a lot. In the darkness of the conservatory's raw concrete auditorium, I enter the multi-channel sound installation of Nigerian-born artist Emeka Ogbo, titled The Way Earthly Things Are Going. Spanning the front wall, an LED monitor conveys real-time global stock indexes. I walk among speakers that encircle the space to capture the sound of women singing. I learn it's a polyphonic song, 
that intones on a world in crisis. These voices describe an emotional landscape of wandering and yearning, of pain, loss, and the urge to survive. Zemeka Ogbo's pensive sound installation in Athens. Keep listening to hear what he created for Castle, a project that stimulates different senses. Emerging from the darkness of the conservatory's auditorium, I discover the inner courtyard that Norwegian-born artist Yuar Nango has turned into an organic environment. 
Here he slayed reindeer pelts across the ground inside a makeshift tent. Gongs, wind chimes, shrouded loudspeakers, and tubes of neon light hang from the trees. The setup evokes the life ways of reindeer herders in the artist's home country. I'll meet Nago for a conversation in Castle. For now, I get to know him by wandering through his encampment and recording fragments of an Arctic soundscape designed by Swedish sound artist Anders Rempe. I walked to Kotsia Square to meet sculptor and scholar Rashid Arain at the site of his project. Born in Pakistan, Arain lives in London. His project, Food for Thought, Thought for Change, has taken shape as a multicolored food tent. This is a popular gathering place. Locals and visitors can enjoy a free lunch here every day. He invites visitors to participate. Uh, the food is, let's say, a mean. Uh, for human interaction uh, because um, people do not come here just to eat. They come here to communicate, exchange thoughts, beliefs, experiences. Uh, the artist wanted people to talk about social change, uh, but it's also a free-themed you know, project. You can talk about whatever you, you might like. It's free, so it can be accessible to anyone, from uh, you know, someone who comes for documenta. Uh, for someone who works uh, near Kojia Square to a refugee, because art must be accessible to everyone. What has been the response of people that live and work in the area? Oh, uh, they participate. Some of them come more than one time. What is the menu today? Uh, today is pork uh, with rice, uh, salad and uh, dessert. Every day is something different. What are the recipes you shared for this pavilion? I kebab, how to make kebab, yeah. Biryani, with rice, different vegetables. What motivated the design of this space? What is extraordinary about this project? This was done collectively by a group of people in Athens without my supervision. I only made the initial drawing, I wrote down the ideas, what it was meant for. I came here six months ago and talked to architects, talked to documenter people, and went back and they did themselves everything. How do you like oh, the outcome? It's a great project. It's beautiful. It is the achievement of collective power. That's super. Well, that's what it's about. What do you want people to remember about this project when it's gone? 
I hope they have realized that there is something they can do themselves. They shouldn't be dependent on people like me. They can use their own creative abilities to create things which are good for themselves and good for the society as a whole. I join one of the luncheon parties. Our plein air dining room is a tented platform where we sit on folding chairs around a wooden table. The server brings us fresh water in a silver pitcher, a basket of bread, and plates of freshly prepared food. A local organic farmer is the source of all the produce. Naturally, I turn on my recorder. How did you find out about the tent? Just passing by and asking. So she's um, she's a pensioner. She's retired, and uh, her kids are both unemployed, so they're looking for jobs now. So she's uh, yeah, she's she's looking for as well. So how about you? Well, I'm, I'm just a tourist. I'm uh, just passing by, and I just yeah, I remember someone told me about this one, so I yeah. Came close to have a look. After lunch, I make my way on foot to the Victoria Square project at the heart of Athens' most diverse neighborhood. American Rick Lowe, a community activist who sparked the transformative project Row Houses in Houston, Texas, is the creative energy behind this project. Lowe began immersing himself in Athens from the moment he arrived, walking the neighborhood meeting with community leaders, hanging out to play dominoes with residents, and inviting local artists, activists, and architects to join him in a roots-up community-building process. Oddly enough, the Victoria Square project made it into the 2017 Lonely Planet Guide as an Athens attraction. Architect Ellie Christaki, a project assistant, welcomes me to the space where I see evidence of local engagement. A table loaded with knitted toys, maps and photographs on the walls, and stacks of newspapers with a masthead that reads one to one. What are the goals of this space? There is a newspaper weekly every Friday that is issued and it's called one to one. It has two interviews from individual business owners, but maybe a goal would be later. Uh, One-to-one can be the community talking to the the municipality about what is happening and how they want to see this area changing. It was a really nice way for the business owners also to understand what we are trying to do here. This is something that they are now waiting for and they want to be part of it and uh, They want to be featured? Exactly. What are the refugee communities that are calling this neighborhood home? From uh, Afghan, Syrians, but it used to be a transit point also in the past. Uh, So, I mean, you have many communities. You have Albanians, Georgians, uh, from Poland. Uh, It's one of the points that uh, 
the moving people of the city come also to find their home here. They say that they hear of Victoria Square even when they are out of Athens. So it's a, a point that they know in the city before coming here. It's a destination yes. where they feel they will find people that understand exactly. where they're coming from, literally. What kind of activities go on in the space for the community? We have workshops, like uh, clay workshops, knitting, and uh, next week we have embroidery f uh, from the Ukrainian community. And uh, we do book presentations from local writers, music nights, also locals. Ubuntu Drum and Dance with the Mandela Gals, performing on the street outside the Victoria Square project space during this year's citywide African Fest in Athens, Greece. The Victoria Square project will continue to generate programs and events, extending past the run of Documenta. Next year, Rick Lowe will consult with his local team and community members to decide if there's a reason to keep going and how. Fast forward to Castle, Germany, where American artist William Pope L. has insinuated his whispering campaign into parks, public squares, cafes, and, of course, exhibition venues. In fact, the artist has placed his whispers in more than 40 sites around Athens and Castle, projected from both hidden and visible speakers, and occasionally murmured by ambient performers. The whispers center on the relationship of Castle to Athens with a mix of art historical time loops, spy stories, and stream-of-consciousness conversations between the artist and himself, read in English, German, and Greek. Here's one I caught in the hallway of the Neue Gallery in Kassel. and a flashback of whispering I encountered in the Athens Conservatoire. Quite the opposite of Pope L's ephemeral whispering campaign, Here's one documenta project you can take home in your hand. Nigerian artist Audubon Nkanga has essentially launched a startup with one foot in Greece and the other in Germany. Her product? Handmade organic soap. I meet project team member Lena Hobisch on a street corner near one of the temporary exhibition venues in Castle. The outfit she's wearing is designed with a narrow shelf that curves around her waist 
allowing her to demonstrate the soap's rare qualities. Otterbong's project is, um, it's called Calf to Flow, which already tells you a lot about the dynamic of it. It is constructed in three phases. So uh, phase one um, was Athens. She built a workshop to develop the recipe to this soap that contains seven oils, sage, coconut oil, olive oil, shea butter, <laughs> babazoo butter, bailey. The magic ingredient is um, charcoal. The soaps are being made in Kalamata, that part of Greece. A lot of love goes into there because it's just one family hand making them. The only way for you to purchase one of those soaps is if you actually engage with the project. With the money we make from the soaps, we'll be building um, a laboratory in Athens for locals to learn how to produce soap. How much are the soaps selling for? One soap is 20 euros and you can't bargain. You can't, we don't take change. Everyone's just allowed to take one soap at a time, you know, like just come and buy five because it's again about the experience, about the knowledge, about the awareness. Um, you get a poem in the packaging, one of the poems she's written during that process. You get to take that home and create your own experience with it. Sound artist Anders Rempi composed this audio track for Yuar Nango's installations in Greece and Germany. I catch up with Nango one evening in Castle, just minutes before a live performance in his space. Tell me about the journey that has brought you to Documenta, like literally, in a, a red van. Yep. I got an invitation to participate in an exhibition called Learning from Athens. There's no other way for me to learn and to experience. That's like for me the real way to, to learn. So I packed my studio in my big Mercedes Sprinter, seven meter long and three meter tall, biggest Mercedes Sprinter van you can get. Uh, and drove the 5,000 kilometers from Tromsø to Athens, through Eastern European route, through the Baltic countries, through Poland, through uh, Romania, Bulgaria, and over the mountains and down into Athens and the Mediterranean Sea 
Um, what did you do along the way? You did you stop and perform, talk to people? Yes, all of that. Not so much performance, I guess. Uh, I'm interested in nomadic architecture. I'm interested in temporality. I'm interested in how materials and man in uh, motion relate to each other. Uh, I'm interested in mobile architecture and temporality. So. Um, for me, it was interesting to actually to think about Europe as a piece of land, try to look beyond the borders and the political puzzle or economical puzzle that the EU represents and, and look at the material and human qualities of Europe through my journey. So with open arms and blinded eyes, I just embraced all the meetings and the interventions that happened throughout my, my journey. And uh, that's what kind of constitutes the palette or the building blocks of the project that I then started building when I arrived in Athens. Right. And and then from Athens back north. Yeah. So building the event space, European everything, which I called it in Athens, uh, with all these building blocks from all over Europe and also with local materials outsourced in an old scrapyard that I had in Athens. Uh, I saw I, photos. Yeah, you did. Projected from the uh. van. Were those some of the scrapyards? Yes, yards? exactly. That's where I was building. I rented a space on a scrapyard in Eleonos, a suburb, suburban area of Athens, uh, which is super interesting. There's a lot of shady businesses. This is like real kind of post-capitalist uh, sort of space where a lot of uh, DIY initiatives and a lot of creative, you know, material technologies uh, beyond uh, very large kind of factories are happening. So I was interested in that, and I worked and collaborated with a lot of these craftsmen that do that and built this space. That's what you did in Athens, but then you brought it oh, here. Yeah. You brought fragments of it here. I was supposed to pack the whole space and move from Athens to Kassel with it and reinstall it here in Kassel. But um, it turned out so nice in Athens, and the trees that I brought from my father's summer grazing land in northern Norway they looked so beautiful in this uh, marble-surrounded green park atrium in Athens that I didn't have the heart to take them down, so I left them there. It really was magical. What I did when I came to Kassel, I brought my, my reindeer pelts and I brought, brought the E, the, the big metal stage that I constructed out of an old sign from an abandoned factory in northern Greece reading Eskimo, a refrigerator factory. Uh, so that E is, has become some core uh, spine of the whole project and, and I, so I brought this E to Kassel where I reinstalled it in the space then I made a, a new remix of the European Everything performance or event space. So Eskimo, European, everything, it, the E. The, the, the E, e works. is everywhere. Yeah. The E is everything. Yeah, I, in a weird way uh, sort of built a lot of stories around the E. I think it's really interesting. I was just in Norway and experienced the history of Sami through traditional yoiking. And then to see your interpretation of it, this borderless idea, it's pretty cool. You're still carrying the pelts. You still, still have the reindeer. Still have the reindeer pelts and we still have the seal skins. We still have the neons from the same sign, which is beautifully arranged in some kind of a abstract, uh, colorful, spatial neon painting in the space. Uh, hanging over the black painted, very graphic, four and a half meter long steel E. And those uh, components, I think, create some kind of a, a bit like a, almost like a spatial logo or brand or some kind of recognizable connection between Athens and here. 
as you see, space has expanded into public space, like all my projects usually do. I'm very interested in these kind of negotiations that happen when you start working as an artist with practical material transformation processes in public space. Like, wh how much is too much? How can you? What can you actually do? How much can you, noise can you make? Can you make fire? You know, all these kind of questions. Are we having fire tonight? We are having fire. We have a, a Roma coppersmith that has made his own little kelm out of an old bicycle and a and a vacuum cleaner. And we're using the kelm to barbecue food. That's another component in this project. And what will we hear tonight? There's a performance associated with this. Yeah, so we're now actually in only 10 minutes. We are starting a, a performance with four different uh, musical performers that are here to activate the stage and event space. Uh, it is uh, Uyarak, who is a, a Greenlandish Inuit uh, a producer and beat maker. And then we have uh, Josef Tarak Petrusen, who is a 18-year-old, very explicit and super talented young uh, rapper, also Inuit from Greenland, Nuuk. Nuuk is the capital of uh, hip-hop in Europe right now, without wow. doubt. There's a lot of things happening there. And then we also have two Sami musicians. Uh, one is Vimme Sari, who is a traditional yoiker. And then we have the electronic artist and sound artist, uh, Anders Rimpi, who is doing uh, some kind of a mix for Yusuf and also some ambient uh, soundscapes for Vimme to yoik on top of. So it's all like different, four different artists that are sort of meeting each other across cultures and also across their um, musical expressions and disciplines. Here's a performance by Tarek, a young rapper, with his producer, Uyarak. When I made my album, so this is a kind of a song about that. Yeah. And we are from Greenland. Me and him, my DJ, Uyarak. So 
Now for the sensory experience that artist Emeka Ogbo brings to Castle. His project involves 50,000 bottles of craft beer, billboards, a television commercial, and a radio jingle. Consulting with Africans living in Germany, Ogbo created the recipe for a special beer now available at Documenta 14 and in local markets. Sufferhead is a stout that comes in a black bottle. The name is taken from a political hymn by Fela Kuti, Nigeria's pioneer of Afrobeat music. With his brew, the artist addresses the politics of race, nationalism, and migration. The Sufferhead Jingle is just one of the ways that artist Emeka Ogbo is introducing his project to Castle. Another is a billboard that asks, Wer hat Angst von Schwarz? Who's afraid of black? This question resonates all too deeply with rising incidents of racial and ethnic violence the world over. In truth, most of the projects in Documenta 14 respond to acute global concerns. These artists encourage us to speak and act, individually and collectively, to cultivate tolerance, openness, and sustainable environments wherever we live, work, and travel. For more news, views, and sounds of this exhibition, visit freshartinternational.com. You'll find us anywhere you go for podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, please let us know at freshartintl. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.